Hey family, this is James Taylor, lead pastor of the Heavenly Vision Church, where it is our vision to reach, save, strengthen, and mature. I'm glad you could tune in to this podcast today. I pray that the word will be a blessing to you and help you move towards God's will. Amen. Amen. As you grab your Bible, just tell somebody he's everything to me. Tell somebody he's everything to me. Don't forget that cadence, Rodney. Don't forget that cadence, man. That's good. You are everything to me. Hallelujah. Um, As we have spelled out our vision for the year, we are going to take the better portion of the year to spell that out and to make it make sense to all of us. This is the year of standard, also the year of decrease. (laughs) And so what we're going to be doing at least for the first six months of of this year, we are going to be studying standards. Uh, What it means, what it looks like, and how do we apply them. Amen? Uh, First Timothy, or excuse me, Second Timothy. Second Timothy, chapter 3, verse 1. Now, um, y'all pray with me. I ask the pastoral team, uh, ask my mama and my wife and my children to pray for me. Uh, We were in the car yesterday as I was reading over the text. And um, I, I, I looked at my wife and said, I don't want to preach this tomorrow. Uh, and Joey sitting next to me in the car, he said, I'll preach. <laughs> and he's like, Daddy, I got a sermon at the house. I need you to read. I'm like, no, Joey, you got to preach this. And I started reading the scripture and I'm getting ready to read to you. And Joey looked at me and said, I don't want to preach that. <laughs> I, I, I barely want to myself. It is necessary, and I want us to look at this, this, this message prophetically, and I also wanted to look at it, I want us to look at it with the lenses of our present culture and what's going on. Amen? Amen. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. You should have it in your hands or at least see it on the screen. It says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them, those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sin, and led astray by various passions, always learning, but never able to arrive at knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses... So these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in the mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far. For their folly will be plain to all. As was with that of those two men. For a few moments we want to talk on the subject, the standard of learning. The standard of learning. The standard of learning. Now, here's, here's the context. 
Paul is talking and he's talking with piercing language. And the reason why he's talking with piercing language is because this, unlike uh, the, the majority of the epistles that he wrote, this is a personal missive or letter or epistle or what most theologians would classify as a pastoral epistle that he sends directly to his son, Timothy. This was not to be read in public, but it was to be given to Timothy in private. And when Timothy uh, received it at Ephesus, as he was now the bishop of Ephesus and just the pastor, the leader of the church at Ephesus, he began to read this letter. And at this point in time, Timothy is about 30 years old. He's wrestling with inconsistencies in his leadership because he's leading a church of people that are older than him. He's leading a church of people that are sharp. That, that are capable of handling things even at a, at a level or at a, at a uh, position greater than him. He's also dealing with a church that has a growing population of young women. And many people are, are using the young women in unholy and ungodly ways. Uh, let me just pause parenthetically and put this in here because even when we read uh, Paul's instruction to Timothy as it relates to telling the women to be quiet in church, that is not a leadership lesson. The reality is, is that there were men who were, who were identifying the weak women in the church, who were identifying the women that were susceptible to falsehood by the way they spoke. This is not in my sermon, but I, I have to just say this now. So, so when Paul says, tell the women to be quiet in church and to ask their husbands when they get home, he, literally what he was saying, it was a protective measure because there were predators in the church. There were people in the, there were men in the church who could determine by the way they asked questions and the way they talked in the assembly, oh, I can get her. Like the Jimmy Early spirit, oh, it's going to take me two weeks. The reality is, it was not to subjugate women, but it was a, it was an element of protection. And so even as we, as we dig into this, this, this statement that Paul makes to Timothy, we were going to see how it was always his desire as a, as a father, as a pastor, as an apostle, as a leader of the church, to always take care of those who were under him. So as he's beginning to talk to Timothy, or as he is continuing his, his discourse with Timothy, rather, he begins to, to, to give him the standard of learning. The standard of teaching. He says, because I need you to understand that there is a standard that you need to have concerning learning before you even engage in the learning. And this is why I need to give you this sermon today, because some of us are going to learn a lot of great things this year. But if we don't have the standard of learning, it's going to go one in and out the other. Or it's going to land in our minds, but never descend to our heart. And so we got to deal with, with this standard of learning. So as we, as we, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be exegetical this morning. So as we go here uh, and he says, I need you to understand this. When he says understand this, what he's literally is saying is, he says, I need you to grasp this as truth and reality. I need you to know that beyond doctrine, I need you to grab this reality. Because there are going to be people who before they can even get to the doctrine of scripture, that they are going to be prey to other people. So we, we got to deal with this. I need, you to, I need you to know this so that you can be on guard. 
one of, one of the great responsibilities of lead, spiritual leadership, and especially as it relates to those who are pastors and, and those who, who are ecclesiastical leaders, uh, e even when, when, I, when I was consecrated as bishop in the Lord's Church, one of the things that they kept teaching us in the, in the College of Bishops was that you are a defender of the faith and of the faithful. There will be times when you will have to take out your weapon proverbially and maybe even physically and ward off the attack of the enemy. This is why one of, one of, the, one of the, 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 the elements or the objects of the consecration of a bishop is a crozier. While we think of it as just a, just a cute staff, no, it's actually one of the weapons of the bishop. His other weapon is his Bible, which is called the sword of the spirit. He says, I need you to understand this, Timothy, that days are coming where times are going to become difficult. He says, times, when he says times are going to become difficult, he says, uh, and actually when, when Paul is speaking, he is, he is, he is uh, uh, arriving to the season where he is getting ready to be martyred or executed. And when we listen to the language that Paul begins to use, he's at the place where he's done. He, this, is, this, is his, this is really his, his, his last coup de grace. He, this is his, his, his last will and testament, his last thing he got to say before he goes on to be beheaded. But understand this, that difficult days are coming. Uh, it reminds me of, of, of Dr. Martin Luther King when, when on, the, on the night before he was assassinated, stands in Mason Temple, Church of God in Christ in Memphis, Tennessee, and he says, we have some difficult days ahead. But it doesn't really matter to me now because I just want to do God's will. And Paul says, I know that this might be a hard letter to you. This might be some hard things that you need to understand, but I need you to grab hold of this. And I know that we have arrived in a day and age where everybody wants flowery preaching and everybody wants make me feel good doctrine and, and you know, speak blessings over my life and, and, and give me flowers every time I come into the church and prophesy money over my life and all of that good stuff. And that has its place. But if we don't prepare ourselves to know the life that we're living, or the world that we're living in, we will be susceptible to every trick of the enemy. So he says, I need you to understand that there will be people who will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, and disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. Here it is. Here's, here's, what we, here's what we wrestle with. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying the power. Now, we could go point by point with all of those. And I'm sure we could get a lot of jeers and amens at the same time. I'm not calling you anything. I'm not calling the person next to you anything. But all of us, either looking in the mirror or looking in our immediate acquaintances, our immediate sphere of influence, can see these things at play. And I pray that the Holy Spirit begins to wrestle with you and, and the issues that you face or the issues that are around you concerning these issues. But here's the overarching principle. The first thing that we do, we need to make sure that we seek a clear understanding. 
the reason why we have Bible study, the reason why we make ourselves available as pastoral leaders is so that whatever is being said over the pulpit, whatever is being preached and taught, you can come and have a discussion and get an understanding. Here at Heavenly Vision, this is, this is, this is a, a prominent part of our leadership. We have a very open door policy. You can come and talk to us concerning the scripture. This, this, is, this, this, is, this is not that kind of place where you just do what we say and, and blindly obey. No, if you don't understand, come get an understanding. But now here's the, here's the cold part. Once you get an understanding, you're held responsible for what you understand. And I think that's why most people in church don't ask for an understanding. I think that most people are like, amen, amen, what do you say? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It was some, you know, something about, you know, you know, you know, love or money and, you know, root all evil and, you know, like that wasn't even in scripture. But um, seeking an, a clear understanding. I love, I, lo- I love the image that we, that we see um, back in the time of Nehemiah. The Bible says that when Nehemiah comes back to Jerusalem and he begins to build the wall, and they build the wall in 52 days, and they do it with, with, with great vigor and excitement. After they build the wall, he calls the prophet Ezra in. The prophet Ezra reads the five books of the law, and they worship and they fall down. But on the day after the Sabbath, the next day, they all gather together, and they say, uh, prophet um, what does that mean? And the Bible says that Ezra set all the men down and he began to teach them. He began to help them gain an understanding of the law of Moses. And then the Bible goes on to say that after they got the understanding, after they learned the law of Moses, then all of the men went home and taught their families and said, you know what? Matter of fact, we need to have a retreat. The Bible said that they they built tents on the hillside and they came away from their businesses and from their regular lives and they had a retreat together and they just spent days in nature studying the scripture. They did what they had to do to get a clearer understanding. And let me help you, people of God. It is your responsibility, Christian, to understand your faith. It is my, listen, it is my, our pastoral leadership, elders, ministers, it is our responsibility to teach you. But it is your responsibility to understand. And I pray that you know those are two different things. Teaching is one thing. Understanding is another. Teaching is the burden of the instructor. Understanding is the burden of the pupil. Lord, give me understanding. And all thy getting, get an understanding. We're going to dial back the amount of series we do this year, dramatically. And it's for this purpose. I'm not going to give you more content that has not been understood and embodied than to just give you an overload of scripture, an overload of word, if we still ain't got the January word. That's foolish. So we're just going to talk about standards for a long time. So that in a moment, it will say, oh, I, I get it. So June, you'll be like, oh, standards. Okay, okay, I, I'm with you now. I'm with, and, and we got to be patient enough to allow people that space. Here's the thing. This is not, this is not a university. 
and I pray God we have one one day. But this is not a university. And even if it was a university, it's not a single class. This, where, where we are in here, there are people at various places of understanding. And so we got to make sure that we take time to make sure that we are all moving together in one direction. Does that make sense? So we got to seek an understanding. But the next thing that we have to do is we have to always embrace the power of God. So here's, here's the principle. With all, all those terrible things that we just mentioned, like, oh, oh, no, that ain't it. That's messed up. Here's the common denominator in all of those things. They deny God's power. And that's the overarching concept that I need you to get today. They're, you are susceptible to any of those things if you deny the power of God in your life. The power of God is manifested not through, listen to this, not through the acts of God in nature. The power of God is manifested through the turning of the human heart. Did you hear what I just said? The power of God is not just manifested through the acts of nature and, and how he miraculously does things in the world. Because nature has no choice but to obey God. The sun has to rise because he says so. The sun doesn't have an internal will. The sun doesn't have a soul. The sun has to do what God says. The beast of the field have to do what God says. But there's only one creature on earth that has a choice. And that creature is mankind. And so the only true way to exhibit the power of God is to take the human heart to knock. And, and notice what Jesus says in Revelation. He said, behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. What, what, kind, of, what kind of God who is all powerful, almighty, has time in his hands and comes to my raggedy heart and says hello James um, may, I, may I come into your life he asked permission the, the almighty sovereign God of eternity asked permission to come into your heart And so the only way to, listen, I, I appreciate all the, y'all pray for me. I appreciate all the, the signs and miracles and wonders. I appreciate all of that. That is, a, that is evidence that the Holy Spirit is present. Yeah. And, 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 and I appreciate all of that. But the only way to know that, watch this, that the power of God is manifested in your life is the surrendering and the turning of your heart. So what he's actually saying here, as we get a standard of learning, he says, here is, here is the bare bones standard of learning. That when you hear a thing, you allow it to invade your heart and challenge your life. You cannot say you are a student of God if you would never allow the lessons of God to penetrate your heart. Because a lot of us know scripture. This is why the text says they have a form of godliness. We can talk godly. We can dress godly. 
We can do the godly stuff. We can come to church on Sunday because most certainly that's godly. We can even go to Bible study. We can even be a part of a small group. We can lead a ministry. And none of that is is a clear manifestation of the power of God. Because every one of us will have to get to a place, and here's how the power of God is manifested. I'm here now, and I'm here to change your mind. I wrestle with this reality. How do I, in full confidence of what I want to do, how do I negotiate the will of God when it contradicts my desire? This is when you know you're learning. When you are able to wrestle with, and here it is, it's a wrestle. I don't care how anointed and saved you are. It is a wrestle. To know what you want and to know what God wills. Because if it was up to what I want, we would have been gone a long time ago. If it was up to what I want, things would have been different in my life. If it was up to what I want, I probably wouldn't even be in L.A. in Mansfield somewhere the reality is there will come a time where you have to tussle with wrestle with the yielding of our heart to the power of God the yielding of our heart to the power of God so we have to always embrace the power now as we embrace the power of God here's the challenge and here's where we're going to have to really do a lot of work As we embrace the power of God, we have to know that the power of God by nature is disruptive. The power of God by nature is disruptive. Anywhere where the power of God comes in, things don't remain the same. And so don't don't tell me how much power you got. Show me by your changed life how much power you got. That's going to be the indication. That the things, old church, the things you used to say, you don't say no more. The things you used to do, you don't do no more. Come on, talk to me, mother. The places you used to go, you don't go no more. A change, a change has come over me. And here's the thing. In none of those songs does it say, "And, and, and I like the change. And it felt good. Can I go deeper for a second? The filling of the Holy Ghost and the expansion of the Holy Ghost are two different events. So you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. And then as the Holy Ghost begins to make its expanse into the crevice of your life. You then, okay, maybe y'all more saved than me. But there have been seasons in my life where I have despised the Holy Spirit in my life. This is why Paul tells the church, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, which with you have been sealed to the day of salvation. How do I grieve the Holy Spirit? I grieve the Holy Spirit by getting into contention when he wants to change something in me. When he gets in and he says, oh yeah, that hatred, I got to take that. What? And and when you decide to hold on to the hatred, that's when Paul said, "Uh, don't, don't grieve him. 
when, 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 when I got this unforgiveness in my heart and they've done something so vile that I have every right by cultural standards to never forgive them. As a matter of fact, I have every right to get my pistol and go execute some justice. He says, love your enemy. And pray for those that spitefully use you. What you talking about? And the only thing that can change that heart is power. Not prayer. Not fasting. Y'all gonna talk to me? No, you got to submit to that power because I know a lot of folk that have prayed and fasted for years and they just as nasty as they were when they got in the church. No, no, no. Fast all you want to, baby, until you submit your nasty heart to the Lord and say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You're going to stay like that with your hungry self. You might as well go get a burger. You might as well go home. How you fast angry and off the fast angry? For what? I'm not saying you shouldn't fast. I'm not saying you shouldn't consecrate. No, you should do that still. But I'm saying that if you, if, if you don't submit your heart, there's no power. This is how, watch this. This is how you can be doing powerful stuff and not be in power. You, you can be healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, and still get to the gate. And he'd be like, uh, depart from me. I knew you not. What you mean? Because you never let me in your heart. I never got power in your heart, and so I couldn't regenerate your soul. All I need is seven of y'all, and I think we'll make it through the rest of this. See, see, we have to know that we cannot deny the power of God. Every one of us, I don't care how great you are, you are going to come to a pressure point. You're going to come to a point where the power of God is going to press upon you and the only way it's going to penetrate if you say yes. That's why the most powerful word in the scripture is yes. That's why the most powerful word you can say to God is yes. Here's why this point is so, so important. Because even Jesus in, in the Garden of Gethsemane had to wrestle with this tension. Now wait a minute. This dude ain't got no guile in him. He has no sin, no hatred. The only thing he had at, to his discredit was humanity. And so in that, in his humanity, and so this is, this is what the scripture is telling us, that even if you never sin, you never make a mistake, you never mess up, you still going to have to wrestle with just your flesh. You can live the most moral life possible, and at the end of the day, you still will have to wrestle with your flesh, submitting to the will of God. And Jesus 
walking around in the flesh who never sinned, who never did wrong, who never made a mistake, he still had to wrestle with submitting his flesh. So much where he had to pray three times. But now notice this. He sees his disciples sleeping. And he says, why couldn't y'all just stay with me one hour? Here it is. This, this, this might be conjuncture, but listen to this. It is my estimation of the text that when Jesus seen them sleeping, he was faced with our human inability to even do good. And when he was faced with our human inability to even do good without the power of God, he goes back and says, all right, well, nevertheless, <laughs> this, is what I, this, is what I, this is what I don't want to do. But nevertheless, whatever you want me to do, I'll do that. And then, and then we see the power of God manifested in him in an amazing way, in a human. So you have to make sure that you always embrace the power of God. Ready to move? <laughs> I guess so. The next thing that, that the next the next the next concept that we need to embrace is that we have to avoid ungodly associations. We have to avoid ungodly associations. Now I know we live in a culture that 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 causes it to be acceptable and appeasable to you know to walk in dual realities you know I got the I got the work me you know then I got the church me you know I got the it's my birthday or it's a holiday or it's a it's a day day and I turn up but then but then you know when it's consecration time when it's you know when it's church time when it's saved time then it's like hallelujah I'm saying I love you Jesus oh yeah then over here is, you know, drop top. Drop top. But then it's over here. Tell me what can You've been so good. I just want the money. I, I just want the money. The scripture says, where your money is, that's where your heart lies. I, I want to, I'm not going to add it to the scripture, but, but if, 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 we were, if we were writing a, 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 a common day scripture, I would have to say that your social media posts is a good representation of what your heart is. You would tell me you saved as, you know, your grandmama. But if what you post most is worldly, I know that's an old word. Y'all pray for me. If, 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 if what you engage in the most, if what you are most knowledgeable about is that of the world, and you can't quote five scriptures, but you know all of Cardi B's and Offset and, you know. Don't, 
Don't worry about it. Student ministry going to come up and Pastor Keenan going to help with all that stuff. I ain't, I ain't, got, problem. I, I ain't got time with it. I asked my son, what's, so what you listening to? So I can sound like I'm him. That's why I'm still quoting bad and bougie. I ain't got that far yet. Um, here's the reality. You're going to have to make a decision of what you feed your soul. Because whatever you feed your soul becomes your association. And whatever you associate with is ultimately the association you become. And we just, we just going to deal with this thing. I ain't, got, I ain't got no problem with anybody listening to good music and going to a place and having a good time and dressing nice and, and, and looking good and, you know what I mean, and, and, having, and having a, I, I, that, that's, that's not an issue that I have. I, I, I like life, amen? I like clothes. I, li- I like to see my wife in, in dresses that, that, you know, remind me why I married her, you know? I, you know, I, amen, amen. I don't, I don't listen to Kurt Franklin when I'm ready to, you know, you know, I just, you know. I love Tal Gilbert, but when I, you know, I don't go to my bed like, you've been so No. I ain't going to tell you when I ain't singing, because y'all don't need it on my playlist. God bless you. But if you want to know, when we get into couples ministry, I'll tell you about it. And it's nothing. Watch this. It's nothing that's going to challenge my faith or hers. Amen. And you got to catch this because a lot of saved folk have been led in their godly marriage into destruction by introducing ungodly sources into their marriage. Y'all talk back to me. Ain't nothing holy about a threesome. He just, he, you know, I just want to make him happy. And I don't want nobody to, I don't, I don't want him to go outside to marry. Fool, you didn't let somebody in. I know this is a lot for the third Sunday of the year. I know, y'all pray for me. You, you, watch your associations. Because your association, watch this. If you have the wrong associations, they will wear down your defenses. This is why the scripture said, because I got a word for it. This is why the scripture says, bad company corrupts good morals. So even if you started good, if you keep hanging with the wrong people, you're going to end up bad. And so you got to be careful of who you allow in your circle. I don't care if y'all blood cousins. Y'all can have the same last and first name. You got to determine who your associations are. Because here's a lie of the enemy. Well, as long as you're not doing it. You know, that's them. That's what they do. I'm not going to not be with my... Listen, you better catch this. Because the more you be in it, the more it'll be in you. You got to be with it. And then when you with it, you in it. And then when you in it, it becomes you. 
And then you're tethered to something that you thought you could handle. Govern your associations. I'm not telling you to do that fake, you know, at the end of the year stuff or, you know, being of the year, I'm cutting them off. I'm cutting them off and I'm cutting this person off. Forget all that. No, I mean, really look at, look at the condition of the souls of your acquaintances. Now, if you're trying to be an evangelist, then evangelize. Otherwise, find the right people to be with. Because they're going to bleed on you one day. And when they bleed on you, what's ever in their blood? Y'all pray for me, what's ever. <laughs> you have to, you have to govern your, now here's the thing, I'm not telling anybody to be, to be, you know, uh, uh, just to be mean to everybody and to act haughty and lofty and, and just, oh no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not asking you to do that because watch this, Jesus, here it is, he went into bad places. But he went into bad places with an agenda. And here's the problem with most of us when we go into certain places. We don't have an agenda. We submit to theirs. And so you have to ask, what is my agenda for going? Am I going just to turn up with them? Am I, am I going just to be a bystander? Are, are, are you going to go in there and speak truth? Avoid ungodly associations. And I'd even extenuate that point to say this. Assess all your present associations. Assess them. Figure out who, is in, who, who am I with? Who, who, who has access to me? Who's coming in my crib? What spirits, you know, what vibes are in my house? And you trying to figure out why now you cussing crazy. Who do I follow? What saturates my timeline? We're almost out of here. I got I to gotta highlight this. Verse 6 says, for among them there are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sin and lead them astray by various passions. Let's deal with this quickly. Now, some of you have seen a documentary recently about a said artist who has allegedly engaged in pedophilia. Now, while we decry that act, we must, as a church, take ownership of the seasons in which we've been aware of it in the house of God. Because I, I, I laugh at all these Christians who make it all these posts about said artists, but ain't saying nothing about the deacon, that's their uncle.
not just a spiritual father. But a, but a fraternal father to several children in his congregation. I have no problem with you having an opinion. But if your opinion does not lead you to conviction, it is useless. I'm going to say that one more time. Because I, have, I know a lot of folks that got a lot of opinions about a lot of stuff. But never do they get to the place where they are so convicted where they do something about it. And a social media post is not activism. A social media post is not advocacy. I've been challenged by some of the decisions I've made as a pastor. I've been challenged by some of the, the, the things that I've done. But I, I, I stand behind my decision, not because I, I, wanted, I wanted to be some, some kind of bully, but because I understand, here it is, that if you allow something to persist, it will become the norm. And if it becomes the norm, it will become acceptable. And if it becomes acceptable, it will become expected. And if it becomes expected, it will soon become celebrated. And so I'm not saying one sin is greater than another. But what I am telling you is, is that anybody who prays on the, on the weakness of another is one that needs to be dealt with in the body. Notice what he says here, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get out of your way. He says that they creep into the house, household and they capture women. Watch this. Burdened with sin. Here it is. Burdened with sin. Now, you got you to gotta catch this. He's not saying, when you read it in the Greek, he's not saying that they sinned. He's saying that they've been sinned against. And the sins that were perpetrated on them became a burden to them. This is why, why, why right now I'm pushing those in this ministry that, that have a burden to, to deal with abuse, to start ministry. That's why I'm telling them that they need to get it started. I'm telling her she needs to get it started now. Because the reality is, is that there are a lot of hers and him's in the room that are wrestling with issues from the past. And any issue I don't deal with becomes, here it is, my definition. I'm going to say that one more time. Any issue that you don't deal with becomes your definition. This is why many people become what, was, what, what happened to them. And so even in the church of God, we have to give language to pedophiles. We have to give language to people that prey on children. This is why age does matter. This is why it's not just a number. For those that, why are you going so hard? What's your thought? What's your thing? Because this develops a cycle. And you don't know where that cycle will lead somebody. Notice what he does. He says they, they, they pray on the ones with burdens and sin and they lead them astray. Watch this. By various passions. 
And here's the way they get them. The way they get them by engaging them by the thing, watch this, that, that they are passionate about. And they don't, my God, I, I wish I could say it like I want to say it. They, mm, they don't understand that the passion and, and what they feel right now is ungodly. All they know is that it's real. And it's what I feel. And it's what I want. Not understanding that this may not necessarily be what, want, what, what God wants for me. But he leads them astray. Come on. This is what you want. You're right. I do want it. I shouldn't, but, you know, I do. But, you know, I do. Yeah, you're right. I do. I do. Yeah, I do feel it. I, it is real. Yeah, it's real, but it's real wrong. And if we're not going to be the church that say it, if we're going to be the church, if, if we're going to be the church that God called us to be, we got to call a spade a spade. We got to call wrong, wrong. We got to call rape, rape. Now, I'm not trying to fit nobody in the room, but I need you to understand. I need you to understand this clear, that the will of God and the word of God does not change based on a cultural preference. It does not change because of family approval. It does not change because everybody cool with it. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And if you don't have the guts to say it, we will. You trying to figure out why you are where you are. Why you have such an affinity. Notice this. Look at verse 7. They're always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Here it is. How is it? That one could be under sound doctrine, good teaching, truth, being presented on a consistent and an integral basis. Truth backed up by integrity. However, it doesn't lodge in the heart. Or in other words, our passions win over what we've heard. Because they are learning and they are never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Here it is. Because of this. And I'm going to leave you here. Janus and Jambres, they oppose Moses. So here's, here's, where, we gotta, here's where we gotta be careful. Jambres and Janus were the magicians that met Moses at Pharaoh's throne. And when you study Exodus chapter 7, the Bible says every sign that Moses did, they did the same sign. Read Exodus 7. It says by secret magic. What is secret magic? Witchcraft. Manipulation. And so we try to figure out how is it 
that, they, that they're sitting under sound doctrine and they're still not getting it because they're under a trance. Because they are under witchcraft. They are, they are presently being engaged with a spirit of manipulation. What causes one who loves God and loves their parents to disregard their truth? What causes one who loves their wife and loves their kids to go astray to have an illicit relationship? It's not their heart. It's the fact that they have been manipulated. It's the fact that a spiritual witchcraft has beguiled their mind. This is why in their mind it makes sense. This is why they can always be learning and never able to arrive at knowledge of truth. Because the spirit of manipulation has created a barrier to stop every word of truth that comes against them. And this is why we have to really engage in spiritual warfare for the minds of our people. And this is why, here it is, whenever we see something, we got to say something so that the spirit of manipulation doesn't become pervasive. You could be with the right person at the right time and manipulate it. The wrong person, the wrong time, and manipulate it. And they both sound the same. You can't tell the difference because the spirit of manipulation has made everything look the same. This is why you can get into a relationship with somebody and they be abusive and they be terrible for you. And when the spirit of manipulation is broke off of your life, you begin to see them for who they really are. And then you get into another relationship with the same exact type person, but you don't see it because you were introduced to them through the spirit of manipulation. If we're going to do this, we got to do it right. And we got to speak truth. And we, and, we, and we have to be honest. And if you ever tell me to do something that's contrary to the Lord or his scripture, you have just given me proof that you are operating in the spirit of manipulation. And I have every godly right to rebuke you and whatever spirit is operating in your life. Know. Here's I'm hanging my hat. Know that truth will always prevail. With Jamboris and Janice, every, every time Moses did a sign, they did the sign too. But here's, here's a sign they couldn't reproduce. They couldn't reproduce what they didn't have authority over. 
and they did not have authority over death. We're about to pray. And so when the death angel began to roll into the city, the only thing that wasn't affected by the spirit was the thing that was covered by the blood. And can I prophesy before I pray with you? Mm, my God. Listen to me. Let me tell you how God, how serious God is about his sons and his daughters in this season. He will not hesitate. Here it is. And, I, and I'm talking to, I'm talking to, I'm talking to not just the people in this room, but I'm talking to the spirit of manipulation. If you keep holding on to the people of God and not let them go. The ultimate sign of the breaking of your spell will be the taking of your life. When the death angel rolled through Egypt, there was no more opposition because they had to submit to the power of God. And I hear God saying, if I can't have your heart, I may have to take your life. wish I could give you some blessing blessing but this is a warning before destruction don't lose your life submitting to your own will and desires don't lose your life sitting in a place that you were never called to sit in don't lose your life submitting yourself to pleasures that God has not validated for you. And the sad reality is we've, we, arrived, we have arrived in a season where the young are dying faster than the old. We have arrived in a, in a season where we give more attention to the predator then we give care to the prey. I implore you people of God. Difficult times are here. I have to circumcise my heart on a daily basis. I love God, I love my wife. I love my children, but I have to circumcise my heart every day because of the, the vices of the world that would try to impress upon me. And I encourage you to do the same. This is why it is so important to submit and to sacrifice so that you can know for sure that whatever step I take it's been ordered by the Lord whatever decision I make it is not wrapped up in self it is not me but it is what God says if you have authority in this earth take your stand at the gate 
if you have authority in this earth it is time to take your stand at the gate so that we can do what God has called us to do I want the pastoral leaders Elder Tomiko pastoral leaders who get get here yes please now here here's here's what I need you Karen Kina Deidre Jerry you, 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 you hold the altar David you hold the altar This is this is this is this is how we want to end this service today. We'll share with you the announcements. You can you can make prepare your giving, do all of that. But before we leave this room, I want us to be set free. I I I, I want us to actually learn and live what we learn. So if you're in this room and you feel like you have been like you have been entangled by manipulation by 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 these evil ones among us even if it's not happening in this season it happened seasons ago and you have yet to get healed of the enemy i hope you were blessed by that word now as you go back to doing whatever you need to do remember this god loves you and we love you too Let's stay connected. Visit us at hvcla.com.